This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And you're listening to That's The Ticket. Now today marks my last episode uh, before Christmas and my last episode of 2022. So I thought it was about time I invite back a uh, rather special guest. Someone who is very special to me and who actually featured as my final guest on uh, That's The Ticket last year. We're repeating history today, guys. A friend of the show, long-time listener and local creative, Missy Mooney is here. Kia ora, Missy. Kia ora, Hannah. Um, I just want to say right off the bat that uh, Missy and I are not talking to ourselves. Well, no, we are. <laughs> we are. So, I mean, it, oh. <laughs> what you mean is that it's not just you talking to yourself because we sound quite similar. So we have been told on so, the phone or over airwaves on the radio, etc. There was actual talk ahead of uh, the show today about Missy hoodwinking everyone listening and pretending to do, be me and do my intro. Mm. Um, this isn't a great reveal. We did not do it. Yeah, um, I got a bit. I mean, you, I, because I, I asked. I'm like, Hannah, could I do? Could I try? Could we try and trick people? But then yeah. I get a bit nervous because your your intro is quite like iconic to you. You know, I'll take iconic. Yeah, okay. That's high praise from you. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Probably is, though, isn't it? A lot it? of sisterly love on the show today. But no, it's actually great to have you back, because I feel mm. like, obviously, I get to talk to you on the daily. Probably too much, yeah. No, but I feel like, <laughs> you know, often we'll be having a yarn, and I'll be like, oh, this would be good content. And so now I've kind of, you know, pulled it up for today, my final episode of 2022. Yeah. No pressure, Missy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the listeners needed a year-long <laughs> year long break from me because there was a a period last year in 2021 where I was quite a regular appearance on this show, so... Yeah, whenever there's a lockdown, uh, Missy's my number one guest. Yeah, yeah well, because we live together, yeah. 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 But I feel like a good place for me to start with you... Um, mm. And I'm, I was tempted to do the origin story, but I've lived it. <laughs> no, but like, I don't know if this is something that I feel like people often don't get to talk about when they're doing postgraduate study, which is I'm actually going to ask you about your study. Aww. Because, well, no, I feel like when people say they're doing a PhD, people are just like, oh, yeah, and they ask you what it's in, and then it just kind of, there's a glazed over yeah. sort of thing. And... Mm. You're doing a PhD in the arts, so it is relevant to that's the ticket. I guess so. I mean, it's very kind of you. I thought it was pretty funny when you described me as a local creative. I mean, you are. I guess. I You've guess so. Yeah. You've been on stage this year. I have. True. True. And I mean, I would argue that study or postgraduate study is has a degree of creativity. Any kind of academia, I think, does inherently I mean, have a level of creativity, like even science and stuff. And considering some of the stuff you've been doing as part of your PhD, mm. yeah, it's definitely yeah. creative. Yeah, I'm vibing. I feel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to give us an abridged summary of kind of what you're up to. 
tell you what it's all about. Tell me what it's all about. Okay. Um, yeah, so as you said, I'm doing a PhD uh, in the arts, specifically in theatre studies. Um, I did my master's in theatre studies, and this is at Waikato University. So I've done all my degrees there because, you know, it's nice there. I also work at the, at the library there, so that's very practical. And I also got some scholarships, which is very helpful um, when you're when you're studying. Yeah, so I'm doing a PhD in theatre studies, um, and it's specifically fo- I'm panicking because of the abridged version oh, element I'm, of it. Hey, but it's a safe space because <laughs> it's very true. People ask you, and they're like, "What are you doing, Missy?" And I say, "Oh, I'm doing a PhD." And they say, "What?" And I say, "Theatre studies." And they're like, "Oh, what specifically?" And then I explain my topic, and it gets quite involved because the thing with a PhD, right? The point of it is that it's very specific, and um, yeah, so get and, specific. Bro. Yeah, okay, I'm getting specific. I'm getting specific. so it's on in documentary theatre specifically. What I call posthumous documentary theatre. So the the title of my research is posthumous documentary theatre representing historical documentary material on stage. Right. So for people who don't, you right. Sorry, my. <laughs> My chair just creaked very loudly. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going, Missy. I'll keep this in. Good, good. <laughs> so um, for people who might not know what documentary theatre is, sometimes it's called verbatim theatre. And basically, like documentary film or documentary television, it's um, kind of drawn from real life. So it's kind of like, you know... Um, often it's constructed from like non-fiction source materials. So interviews with people, newspaper articles, headlines, government documents, court transcripts, letters, diaries, personal writings. It's not made up in, in the traditional sense of like it's not. And this is interesting, right, because this is what my re- research goes into is notions of truth, uh, reality and authenticity are really um, crucial to documentary or verbatim theatre. And, you know, you start saying things like it's nonfiction, it's not imagined, but yet I would say kind of inherent to the theatre making process is a degree of imagination. So I find myself having to be very careful with the words that you use, but for just everyday understanding, some people call it nonfiction theatre or theatre of fact. And when you describe this to people, I don't know if you've ever been able to actually get this far. Um, when, <laughs> when describing it. No, I'm only kidding. No, guys. but the thing is, that's my fault because I should actually just get better at being succinct about it. Well, I mean, it's not not interesting. Hmm. Well, I think, I mean, a lot of people, I usually, sometimes I talk about, um, I guess, the element of, of my, so I've been talking about just kind of general documentary or verbatim theatre, but mine mm. is specifically posthumous documentary theatre. So posthumous means after, after death. Yep. Yeah. So if something's a posthumously released album or film or book, right? So... Basically, that's documentary theatre constructed from documentary material like letters, diaries, personal writings, etc. after the death of the document's originators. So, like, um, you know, someone dies, you find a whole bunch of diaries, a whole bunch of letters, Mm. and then you use that to make the documentary play. So that's basically the difference is when you have living and non-living subjects, and I'm interested in how, I guess, the ethical... Um, obligations or responsibilities that theatre makers might feel um, towards their subjects is different when the person's alive and when they're not Mm. you know so if I interview you um, to make a piece of documentary theatre I ask you a bunch of questions I'll record it I'll transcribe it sounds a lot like an episode of that it does I could make a a play for you Hannah but um, put that in the play usually 
I would go and I'd say, Hannah, I want to put this bit in the play. Can you just look over? This is what you said. Are you happy with that to go in word for word? Mm. You'd be like, oh, actually, at the time I said the wrong name or I meant to say this or basically there's opportunity for communication. Obviously, when someone's been dead and especially if they've been dead for, you know, a long time, um, you can't, you know, it's all guessing. So that and I, you know, the ethical relationship is different. And I would suggest that that therefore changes the way that the theatre maker makes the piece of theatre. I mean, it sounds like this is quite important in regards to documentary theatre because you're using testimony from real people, Mm. real people either documentary theatre who are alive or who have lived. Mm. And so I think ethically there is a responsibility to do the right thing. I mean, that's a very broad statement, but like not just take this and use it without any form of consent. Well, this is this is the thing, and it is such a slippery slope or it's such a subjective area. Okay, yeah. there's no rules, there's no code of conduct, official, you know, documentary theatre makers comment, you know, it's guided by their own moral compass. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Mm. You know, because at the end of the day, there's so many factors that might influence how you use what material or whatever because you know you want to make a cool piece of theater you want it to make money you know so you might go for the more shock value stuff or paint people in a certain light and yeah it's a really or i find it a really interesting thing and especially the notion of you know do we have an ethical obligation to the dead i mean there is in stuff like to do with like postmortems or autopsies and stuff like that Mm. and obviously it's very culturally specific but i mean in more of a kind of less like bodily way yeah, it all gets quite abstract, and I find that really interesting. And so, obviously, well, obvious to me, maybe not to everyone uh, yeah. at home, but you did your master's in verbatim documentary theatre. It was more specifically verbatim theatre. Yeah. Um, and that was, what was it called? Towards an Ethical Dramaturgy, yeah. a practice-led research project in verbatim theatre. So that was, so some people make a distinction between verbatim. So the word verbatim means word for word. Word for word, yeah. And some people um, take that to mean it has to have been spoken. Mm-hmm. So like written documentary uh, material, so newspapers, letters, anything written that was never spoken, they would argue that that's documentary theatre, not verbatim. So for it to be verbatim theatre, usually it's interviews or it comes from speech. Mm. But then a lot of people just use it interchangeably. So like in the UK, they kind of call all documentary theatre verbatim, whereas in the US, they just prefer documentary theatre. I mean, it's all... What is your belief? I tend to think that documentary theatre is the overarching... Overarching? Overarching. Overarching umbrella term. Mm. And then verbatim theatre is specifically from speech as a subgenre. And then posthumous documentary theatre is another subgenre. And then you could maybe put, like, specifically um, court court transcripts. Yeah. But specifically, like court case ones that okay. could be another one Tes- literal testimony but i mean the thing with <laughs> sorry the thing with definitions is you kind of got to make them work for you you know whatever you think it is and there's i don't think there's a lot of point in getting too hung up about it as long as no. whoever you're trying to communicate your work to kind of knows where you're starting from then you should be able to have a discussion about it or whatever you know words to live by and <laughs> no legit i think that's, gotta make that's it awesome. work for you well no it's like obviously i'm not a phd student what surprise <laughs> <laughs> so deadpan with that delivery missy um, only way but you know we're having a corridor about your phd studies mm. and i feel like i'm getting it thanks ham 
No, well, it, it, it's, it's good. good. Yeah, well, you I know. mean, I do genuine, and I mean, this is the thing. So I'm two years, I've just finished my second year, mm. and it's a three-year degree, right? You're so, almost there. <laughs> like, I'm two years <laughs> in, and I still find it really interesting, which is really, I've, I feel really glad that that's the case, you know, mm. because there's a reason I've done my master's now. I'm doing my, I've spent so many years, years of my life, thinking about this specific kind of theatre and that the fact that I still find it interesting and that I still want to talk to people about it for me is a like a good sign. <laughs> I mean, know? good signs all around. I think mm. no, but I talk to you what you're yeah. saying, and I'm I'm glad, and I can vouch that Missy does a lot of reading, <laughs> a lot of reading. I think you were telling me the other day how many books you'd gotten out from the university library. Yeah, I was having a look, um, just because I was, I guess, and yeah, I think I got out seventy four books from the university library that's, a, this that's year. quite a bit yeah I mean I don't know I've, and that's not counting ebooks as well or any anything I've accessed online so journal articles or any yeah. electronic resources so these are just physical books physical from books. the library yeah, that 74 is pretty good I didn't get them all at once I wasn't carrying them all at <laughs> once but uh, yeah I mean I don't know yeah. See, that makes me want to ask like, what's the largest amount of books you've ever issued in one go me personally yeah Oh, I've probably done like 12 to 15. 12 to 15? No, I was going to catch it at 10. Oh, but usually I don't go and get a whole stack. I'll like go one, because I'm there all the time. I'll yeah. get these five books this day and then the next day I'll grab another five or oh, whatever. Okay. And then so you're a bit stagger out. it. Yeah, but I think just for anyone who's interested, because I work as a library assistant there, um, the limit, you can mm. get 100 books at a time. 100? Yeah, 100. Have you ever seen anyone... Issue 100 books? No, as, but as a, a lot of people don't do it like that. Like, they'll accumulate them over time. Okay. So especially postgraduate students who will be like, oh, I just want to keep this for a bit longer because I might need it f- later down the track, you mm. know? So we do get people bringing back quite a lot of returns in one go, but I've never seen 100. Okay, no. still yeah. time. Um, if you're yep. a University of Waikato student and you're listening um, and you want to make Missy's day, mm. get her to return 100 books for you. Yeah, I can. I saw. Yeah, you, she can shelve or them all. I can direct you to the self-issue, self-return machine. Oh, okay. So you don't yeah. actually have to do it. Well, I mean, if you put them through the slot, then yeah, I'll probably be doing it. Okay, get them in the slot team. No, <laughs> um, I have some more questions uh, about your PhD, more specifically about what you've been up to this okay. year with your creative practice. But I do cool. want to break for a song nice. because Missy's been an absolute gem and uh, suggested some tracks. Uh, yeah. And this one, I feel like it links into tertiary study and stuff because it's called First Day at Trinity. And is Trinity a college? Trinity that, College, yeah. Is that a high school or university? University. Look at me. Yeah. Amazing. Do you want me to explain it? Why you picked the song? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's just like a very short <laughs> instrumental piece from, yeah. from a show. Yeah, so it's called First Day at Trinity and it's from a TV series called Normal People, which people might, it's quite a popular TV series mm. and it's adapted from the book Normal People by Sally Rooney, which I read this year. That's one of the books I probably got out from the library. Nice. It was, it's a good book, great adaptation. But the reason I picked this song is because when I'm studying or doing work, I can't listen to music with words. Like, I find it too distracting. So I have this big playlist called No Words, very creative yeah. <laughs> title. So I listen to quite a lot of, like, film, television, scores um, when I'm studying. So did you find this song, like, when you were watching the show? Were you like, oh, this will be great? No, when I was watching the show, I'm like, oh, I really like the soundtrack or the score. Because I think there's, like, 
songs with words that are in the show too but I don't listen to that but I like listening to the the compositions specifically for the show and as I was watching it I'm like oh this is me and I do that I notice so yeah I I liked it so then I listened to the whole album yeah well reasoned and um, (laughs) just to all you listeners there will actually be some songs with words later in the show so don't worry um, Missy has allowed me to have some words later in the show but uh, here's First Day at Trinity uh, by Stephen Rennox Was uh, a song that Missy Mooney, today's guest, brought to that's the ticket. First day at Trinity from uh, the norm the normal people soundtrack. Soundtrack. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know why I got <laughs> flustered <laughs> when I got everything correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're 100 correct. But you're listening to Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. Uh, a bit of a Mooney special on the last episode of That's the Ticket uh, for 2022. We've been talking about Missy's uh, PhD, and it's actually quite interesting. Um, I feel like that's high praise from a sibling to actually take an interest in, um, you know, your research and your study. Yeah, I mean, I generally just... I mean, I don't know if people say it to me, like, genuinely, or if they just say it as something to say, but when someone says, oh, that's interesting, I find that really, really nice, because... I mean, the reality of a PhD or certainly my situation, I would say most people is that, you know, you are very invested in a very specific thing um, and it's quite solitary. Yeah. You know, you're quite focused on it. Um, you know, you're directing it, the path. I mean, you've got your supervisors and stuff like this, but it's not like you, you don't go to class, you know, no. you don't have classmates. You, so You are responsible for your own fate. Yeah, but I mean, in the sense of that, like, you know, it's reassuring when people you do have moments of doubt where you're like ah oh, does anyone actually care does anyone care except yeah, yeah. me um so when people say oh that's kind of interesting or i hadn't thought about that or you know that's nice basically <laughs> i mean obviously i'm super biased you are super biased Han. but i will say some of the stuff you've been up to uh this year with your phd got me hooked <laughs> hooked on doing a phd Oh, absolutely not. Supporting you doing a PhD. No, uh, reading 
Um, yeah, you're very good. You do read stuff. I know. I learned how to read for yeah. Missy. But yeah. no, reading uh, documentary theatre and verbatim plays. Because yeah. I feel like I read more documentary theatre and verbatim plays mm. this year than I had up until this point. You probably like, read more than your average person. Yeah. Because they're not... Yeah, super popular. I mean, we do have quite a, a bit going on in New Zealand. Yeah, there there is a lot going on, and that's the thing. Um, having you kind of, you know, a few meters away in the next room, I have feel like I have a constant uh, source of knowledge. But I want to talk um, quickly about your creative practice. So that that's part of your PhD, and mm-hmm. it's where you put what you're writing about into practice. Yeah, it's a it's a bit more nuanced than that. Yeah, this but, is a bit where you explain what it actually but is. Good try. Thank um, you. <laughs> so yeah, so you can do a PhD at Waikato in a few different ways. You can do by publication, which is where you publish parts of your research as you go. So hence why it's called a PhD mm. by publication. You can do it where you just write a thesis. I don't mean just in a derogatory sense, but you write a thesis um, and then you can do um, PhD with a creative practice component, which is what I did. So I write a thesis and then I also have a creative practice component. And I kind of how you th- how I think about it is it's not the, the practice and the thesis are symbiotic. So they inform one another. So mm-hmm. I find out. So the, the my creative practice was I made an original piece of posthumous documentary theatre from the letters of Vita Sackville-West and Harold Nicholson. Um, and that process was kind of like an experiment, right? So I got information from undertaking that process, got knowledge, embodied knowledge from doing it that has therefore influenced my understanding and influences the thesis. But then also all the reading and the research and the writing that I do for the thesis influences my creative practice. So it's kind of I'm doing some awesome hand gestures. Um, we love a bit of radio mime. And yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, but it is helping you understand, isn't it, Hannah? Uh, definitely. Yeah. So they kind of the thesis and the um, creative practice kind of inform one another. Yeah. They're codependent, inter interdependent, and um, symbiotic. You know. So yeah. And I was lucky enough to attend the one and only <laughs> performance of your creative practice, and this yeah. is the thing. And I've I think I've talked to a friend of the show. Uh, James Smith about this because when they were doing their masters, yeah, they, they did. the same thing. Yeah. You you put all this work into creating a piece of theatre. Yeah. In your case, a piece of posthumous documentary theatre. Yeah. And it only gets performed once for marking purposes, and so they can film it and stuff. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be the case. Like, um, no, but with this one, it did. Yeah, for me, it has to be. So, well, it doesn't. It's just more complicated, right? So. It was like a full proper... I wanted it to be as like... Um, Authentic? Well, I just like feel as like a real piece of theatre. I'm doing mm. the air quotes, but not not just like an assessment. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, you know, we had set, we had costumes. I treated it all as if I was going to put it on, you know, at the Meteor or at mm. Clarence Street or, and, you know, I it was the real deal, you know. Um, and the actors, I had three um, just amazing actors. Who have all... Um, oh, they've all been they've on. They've all been on that yeah. ticket. Yeah. yeah, so I had Connor Maxwell. Um, the experience. The experience. He was, yeah. Um, he was an experience in that. <laughs> um, Lily Empson and uh, Megan Goldsman. I'm pretty sure it's Megan Goldsmith. Oof. <laughs> Inside joke. But no, they were they were all excellent. They were just, no, like, it sounds lame when you, you, you know, you 
kind of wax lyrical about someone, but I cannot say, because it's not just with this as well, because it's my research, right? The mm. whole... So I, they were involved from the beginning. So there was no play when they came on board. I was still making the play and their involvement kind of helped. The, so they're from the whole process, from the kind of conception to the performance they were involved in. And it's like, it's not just rocking up to rehearsal, learning your lines, that's it. You know, they were so crucial to it and the, the play would have been different if it was different actors. So it was just really, and they were so professional, you know, and the thing is for them... They had to learn all this, like, really, like, idiosyncratic speech and stuff for one night. For me, hopefully, yeah. I get to be Dr. Mooney after this. They just get experience dollars. So, you know. Hey, I'm sure Connor would love some experience dollars. Dollars? <laughs> the Connor Maxwell experience. Joke flopped. I'm sorry, Connor. Was, that wasn't your best, Hen. No. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move on. Where, where have we gone to? <laughs> <laughs> Where are so, we now? Okay. Oh, but the reason, so for example, mine was one night only because yes. I used, um, the whole play was comprised of documentary material, majority of which were the letters of Vita Sackville West and Harold Nicholson. Mm. Um, and I got these letters from published kind of compendiums or books and um, they're still in copyright. So I had to contact the publishers explaining who I was that it was for research and to get permission to use it because usually you have to pay for it. And they say, oh, c because it's for research, you can do it. And this is all in England and trying to figure out who's got the rights. And we're talking about because they were dead and now their direct descendants have died. So it's all it's quite removed from the original um, people yeah. themselves. So it's publishers. And they said, yeah, you can do it for this. But if you if you do it for any kind of commercial gain, then we'll have to figure out an agreement so i i don't know if it would be impossible for me to ever do it again but if i were to i would have to probably pay to use you know the whole script is comprised of already published material so and believe yeah. me when i say if this play ever takes the stage again uh you'll be the first to hear about it on that's the ticket with hannah mooney this promise i make ah shall we haven't actually said what it's called yes now would be a good time if you fancy it. well it was called uh <laughs> what remains the love and letters of vita sackville west and harold nicholson there you go hey yeah. it's a it's a it's a good title thanks i mean but surely you of all people will understand that we should never judge a book by its cover y yeah yeah that was not i well, thought I just... you were gonna laugh at that <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and um, last but not least, on your academic year, because mm. I don't want to turn this into a whole, um, you know, Missy's uni journey episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so you've got, you've written a cheeky book chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So just give us the skinny on that. Give us the skinny on that. It's slang because I'm hip. You're very hip and cool and down with the kiddos. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So I've it's it hasn't been published yet. I think it's meant to be being published sometimes middle of next year. Mm. It's quite a long process. Um, doing something like this, yeah. So I was asked to contribute a book chapter, um, and it's about documentary theatre. Fitting. Yeah, but it's specifically about um, representations of the dead, death and dying in documentary theatre plays. So very, very cheery subject. But I mean, it was it was really cool to write and really cool to, to research. And um, obviously it is kind of related to my research, but not 
you know. And so you wrote this, you wrote one chapter. Yeah, one just part one chapter. Of a, of a book. So yeah. when the book is published, do you think you'll read it? The rest of the book. Yeah, the rest of the book. Yeah, like when I got Because it'll probably link in, right? Yeah, well, because like you, you get like a, I got like an overview of like, this is kind of what the book is aiming to do. Mm. And I was like, oh, I totally would read this book. Like for my research, <laughs> I was like, man, if this book was out, I would totally read this book. Yeah, so yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, so relatively chill year for you then, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. The delay yeah. on that pity laugh got me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. No, I'm very proud. Mm. Um, but before we get too mushy with it, uh, mm. I'm going to break for another song, one with words. Um, <laughs> the, another track that Missy brought to the show. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a cover, I believe. Yeah. Um, You're Still the One, originally sung by Shania Twain, but this cover <laughs> is Stories in Rhett Madison. Yeah. Um, can I ask why? I like it. Well, yeah, I do like <laughs> it, obviously, but I've I've got quite into Rhett Madison. She's got one album called Pin Up Daddy. Yep. She's just cool. She's very vibey. Okay. She does, like, quite funky covers. She's just a vibe. That's good enough for me, Yeah, eh? yeah. Looks like we made it Look how far we've come, my baby We might have took the longer way We knew we'd get there someday They said, I bet They'll never make it But just look at us holding on Still together, still going strong. You're still the one, still the one I run to.
I found that song very relatable because I feel like I'm still the one as in still the top dog um, of the Mooney sisters. Would we agree, Missy? Yeah. It's just a weird category. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what does that mean? I. Um, that, this is how a joke dies. Um, no. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> no, uh, if you're just joining us, I've been uh, having a chat to um, my good friend and uh, twin sister, Missy Mooney, uh, today. We've just been having a lovely chat, and this sounds sarcastic, but I actually mean it, think it's been lovely. I'm um, talking mm. about research. Because as I said um, at, at the top when I was ask, you know, asking you questions about it, I'm like, I feel like... People ask you how your study's going, but, like, it's always surface level. People never get to have a genuine, like... Oh, that's not their fault, though, because... No, no, no. It's just how, like, you know, it's like when you're, like, walking like past someone talk. and yeah. you say, hey, and they say, how are you? But then you don't have time <laughs> and it's quite stressful. Yeah, so yeah, I think, yeah. you know, people... It's, like, it's nice that people are... Like, it's just the social contract interaction yeah. thing. So I'm never... Go- I'm not saying, oh, they don't really... They're not really interested. Like, that's just how it is. Like, no, I feel like yeah. everyone is invested, especially in the local creative community, because you're going to be a flex. Be like, Dr. Mooney? <laughs> I know her. You know? Similar to how people are with me. Oh, yeah. With that's the ticket. Yeah. Local celebrity, um, yeah, doesn't hit as well when I'm saying it about myself. Usually better when <laughs> other people call me a local celebrity. Yeah, I think you are, Han. We'll just move on. Okay, um, <laughs> no, thanks, Missy. Nah. Uh, so I want to take a little jump to the left or a step to the right, even. Uh, that was a Rocky Horror reference. I know. <laughs> I'm just looking at Hannah like, don't you dare. Um, I determinedly was not going to say the rest of the joke. Let's do the time jump again. Uh, it's, it's the time warp, so it doesn't... <gasps> That's quite embarrassing to stuff up that on live radio. But In Kirikiriro, the home of... Rocky Horror. Yeah, nice. Okay. Um, thanks, everyone. No. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's the end of year special, and so I wanted to pick your brain about kind of highlights from 2022, because we always do this when we do an episode together. We mm. always get to kind of like, what have you watched? What have you read? What yeah. have you been listening to? Mm. And ahead of the show, Missy's like, oh, do people actually care? And I'm like, think about social interactions. Think about parties you've been to. Mm. And there's always an, a segment of the night were you giving someone Netflix recommendations? It well, always I mean, happens. I do this a lot. Like, I, I, I feel like I talk a lot about what I've been watching or what I've been reading, but I always feel like that's just because I'm not, like, socially cool. Like, <laughs> and because I like having opinions. So I didn't, I didn't realise if other people were as into it. But No, but, I mean, it happens on that's the ticket quite a lot as well. Oh, and I, I like it when other people say, oh, have you seen this? Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm probably a bit more in depth than some other people might. Like I'm like, who's the cinematographer? Or <laughs> you know, like because I will recommend. Here's a wreck. Like if you haven't watched Haunting of Hell House, um, Mike Flanagan series on Netflix. It's a few years old now, but the cinematography in that show, Chef's Kiss, mate. I'm you. <laughs> Missy just Missy's been doing mime this entire show and then just bluntly said chef's kiss and didn't do the mime and I was just shook shooketh uh, okay but we won't get into cinematography I mean no, we no, can no, 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 no. Yeah, mate, it's I mean, your show you're driving here I thank you uh, we've been talking we talked about books but earlier yeah and so I guess that's a good place for me to start um, okay best book you've read plays you've read 
doesn't have to be best just some highlights yeah because i find this hard because favorites are hard it's a commitment yeah so maybe i'll just no, just of note yeah so things that i've enjoyed yeah. this year that i would say when you feel like it's you know it's not top 10 you know no, it's, no, no. it's all subjective some people you like different things for different reasons at different times you know like i, I definitely feel that with books like you go through phases you, no like when you get that book and films too that book that just really you really connect with at the right time yeah you know it's like your paths cross it's all very whimsical now isn't it okay well fill but, us in on your well whimsy. one of my favorite books that i read this year was called the secret history by donna tart and i feel like i've read this book because i literally got missy to explain the entire plot to me well, i think we on were drive yeah we were driving it we was a long drive long drive yeah and i yeah see i'm terrible for this because i was really into it and for example this book it's 30 years this year it came out in 1992 wow yeah so um, Donna Tart, she's yeah, she wrote the Secret History, and she also wrote the Goldfinch, which was uh, adapted into a film um, a few Fairly years ago. Fairly recently, yeah, a couple years ago yeah. maybe. The Goldfinch is I like that book too, but yeah, mm. the Secret History, and it's just kind of like dark academia, like mystery. Seems a bit up your street. Oh, I just really liked it. It was a good summer read. Um, yeah, but it's an, it's not a super recent book or anything. Mm. But I just happened, and I just think it was the right time for me to read it vibe there yeah um i read another book which i got out from the university library so that's one of my 74 books oh um, nice good to know <laughs> and it's called the illumination and that's by kevin brockmeyer right um i think he's american i haven't read any of his other books i feel like i can visualize this book because i remember seeing it and being like what is that yeah it's quite a slim volume the version that i had so it's, it wasn't didn't take yeah a heap. i think i read it in a couple of days um, but the premise was really interesting. So basically it was like everyone's pain. So, you know, everyone, everyone's ailments mm. were visible. They manifested as light. Right. So like if you cut your hand, light would pour out of the cut. So basically, and it was kind of exploring how the world, how different. So that one day this just suddenly happened. Mm. So one day everyone woke up and suddenly everyone's pain was visible and how that would change the world if you could see yeah. everyone's pain because they would be radiating light. So that's what was called the illumination. So suddenly everyone's pain was visible to others. Um, yeah, and that I just found that a really interesting um, idea. I feel like that would be a very interesting, in an ideal world, um, adaptation for the stage. Imagine that. Yeah. That, that would be quite cool technically, I think. Well, I think it's just an interesting metaphor as well because, mm. you know, how often do we say, you know, we don't know what other people exactly. are going through and the fact, and in some ways you would hope that people would be more empathetic, but then also you'd lose so much privacy because everyone yeah. could see what see was your, going on. See your suffering. You know, yeah, yeah. But that was that was a cool one. Like, I don't think that was a particularly recent book. I can't remember when that came out, but... <laughs> we get yeah. the full bibliography. It's great. Oh, do you want some citations? Some uh, APA? No. We'll, we'll save those no. for after the show. And then my... I've got two more. Okay. Um, next one... Oh, this one was quite recent. This was 2020. And this is quite a mainstream book. So, But mm. it was The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Okay. Um, and again, the premise... I just The premise was cool. And basically it's... Um, the Midnight Library is a place where the protagonist goes to and every book is a different direction that their life could have been. So basically mm. she gets to go into each book and it's like a parallel universe of the, if you had made a different choice, 
here, that's what, you know, it's like, oh, what if I had decided to be a vet instead of doing this? Or if I decided to go to Antarctica or whatever. And yeah, so she gets to see all of her different lives. And then if she likes one, she can stay there. Yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah. So that one, that one was quite cool. And then my last one was, um, Owls Do Cry by Janet oh, Frame, yes. which is by no means a recent book, but she's uh, a renowned um, Kiwi author. And um, obviously Red Leap bought... Um, well, this is why I read it. Okay. So, um, they, sorry, to summarise, Red Leap Theatre Company bought through their stage adaptation of Owls Do Cry to the Meteor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, I want to go and see that. I'm going to read the book first because I'm that kind of person. So, does, like, does the research before I go and see something. I like to read that. I'm just interested in the adaptive process. Mm. Um, yeah, so I read that and I hadn't read it before, um, and I really, really enjoyed it. I really liked that book, and then going to see it was really cool. And I think what's interesting, and I think they they refer to Red Leap Theatre refer to it as a response as opposed mm. to an adaptation, and and I would definitely agree with that because like when it started, I'm like that doesn't that's not like the book, but then I was like no. Like, it's I like found the that, essence of the book. Yeah, well, reading that book, I was like, it was hard for me to relate to because it's like back in the day in New Zealand, mm. you know, which I don't remember, um, you know. <laughs> it was pre-us. Yeah, well, it was like the 50s or whatever. Mm. So it's like, or 40s, you know, post-war kind of situation. And it seen, it's so different, you know. But yeah, I just, that book had a, definitely had like a vibe, a feeling to it. Like, mm. reading that book gave me feelings. I couldn't, like, resonate with the language or the scenario or the setting that much, to be honest. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the feeling, and I feel like the adaptation really had the staged version, Red Leap's Owls Do Cry, yeah. um, really kind of recreated some of those feelings that I had felt reading the book. That's what you want. That is what you want. <laughs> and I just want to quickly chime in here before I break for another song and just uh, plug. I'm not going to plug a book because I actually haven't read that many books this year. Shh. <laughs> um, but a play uh, oh, that yeah. I read uh, that was recommended to me by you because it was when you were writing uh, your book chapter and working on your PhD. Mm. But uh, it's a very famous we can say very famous, right? What? What are you? I don't know what you're going to say. So. Uh, my name is Rachel Corey. I wouldn't. I don't know. It's not the most famous. Like the other play that I talk about in that chapter is the Laramie Project, which yeah. I would say is very famous. But it's just I read My Name Is Rachel Corey, incredible play. Read it if you have the chance. Um, for the first time this year, and it's definitely a play that I wish I could read for the first time again. Mm. Like, it was beautifully sad. Mm, it's very sad. Like heartwarming and heartbreaking and and just incredible. And I'm not going to try and summarise because I'm mm. not the right person. And But all I will say is, um, especially if you're attending the University of Waikato or have access to a tertiary level library, um, my name is Rachel Corey will probably be in there and you should read yeah. it. But uh, I want to break for another song because uh, we've got a few to get in today. Yeah. And I believe this comes from one of your favourite albums of the year. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a Florence and the Machine song. Yeah. So is this from Dance Fever? Yes, it is from Dance Fever, yeah. which came out this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not my favourite Florence and the Machine album, but no. I guess I would say it's one of my... Fa her live show album is really good. I don't know yeah. if you're playing the live show I'm album. I'm not. 
yeah okay now <laughs> it's still a really good album but yeah i like florence and the machine and uh this song is from dance fever which came out this year it did. Uh, is available on all major streaming platforms well okay gotta get the plug in for yeah. um, florence uh, and it's a song called my love and it's yeah. not your favorite but it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> from the album yeah 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 and uh i mean it can speak for itself My Love uh, from Florence and the Machine's new album, uh, Dance Fever. Highly recommending. 
recommending that. I am. That is. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> That's a yodery with that, eh? <laughs> Recommend, am I? It's a uh, solid album. Yeah, I was heavily featured on uh, my Spotify Wrapped. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I was heavily featured on the album. <laughs> I was. Um, <laughs> on the B-side. No. Oh. Uh, did B-side still exist? No. I don't Not know. Not on, on what? On no, a tape? No, you can get records and tapes are coming yeah. back as well. Yeah. Actually, I feel like it was a couple of episodes I was talking about tapes with the Lion Sisters. And Love now a good tape. Now we've got the Mooney Sisters talking about tapes. Mm. A lot of sister tape content. Um, mm. Not my best gag. Um, but no, Missy. Hannah. I, <laughs> I've been getting kind of some recommendations from you. We've been talking what you've been up to this year. But yeah. now I want to look to the future, to 2023. <laughs> Well, okay. Because no, there's some exciting stuff uh, coming up in there, and not just Missy doing a third year of her PhD. Final year. Final let's year. Get, hopefully. Let's get it done. Let's do it. Yep. Um, I believe you can do it. Thanks. Uh, but I just want to quickly go into upcoming events mm-hmm. uh, because, even, you know, it seems like we're hitting that creative content and Kitty right out the gate. Let's do it. So, uh, in no particular order, Frozen Junior is uh, running at Riverley Theatre from the 17th to the 21st of January. Uh, they've got a mixture of daytime and evening performances, and tickets are available now via iTicket. So, if you've got a Frozen fan in your family or your household, I recommend getting to it because they're um, selling fast. Mm. Ironically, there's some little flame symbols next to the Frozen shows. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh. Um, in Morrinsville, uh, Morrinsville Theatre have auditions for Back to the 80s, a musical that they're putting on in 2023. Their auditions are running on the 14th of January. There is a Facebook event with more info and links uh, to the audition form. So uh, give it a search and uh, know that I will be putting up the link with the podcast of this episode. So make sure you give the That's the Ticket with Hannah Mooney Facebook page a cheeky like if you haven't already. So that goes for all the events and kind of stuff we've been talking about. It's all going to be up there, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> like just mum f- frantically with a pen is what I'm imagining. <laughs> Kia ora mum. Hi um, mum. Got to get it in. Uh, and then... Hamilton Arts Festival is back. Well, actually, so previously known as Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival. Or HGAF. Or HGAF. It's now yeah. Hamilton Arts Festival Toy Ora Kirikiri Roa. Nice. So Hamilton Arts Festival. It's yep. uh, back in 2023, running throughout the city from the 24th of February to the 5th of March, and tickets are available now via Event Finder. And early bird prices are available until Christmas Eve, okay, oh, the get 24th on it. of December. you got a week. So if you're looking for some last-minute gifts, I would uh, definitely check that yeah. out. Yeah, that's good. Nothing says I love you quite like show tickets. And um, <laughs> last but not least, coming up in not just Hamilton, but around the world, Christmas is just days <laughs> away. <laughs> Are you seriously doing Christmas as an upcoming event? I've got a little nice bit. Oh, okay, sorry. Let me go. I'm interrupted. Um, please know that love is all around us. Whether this be your first Christmas without someone or business as usual with your whole whanau. I want to wish you all a safe and happy holiday. Please be kind to yourselves and others. And uh, tune in to Free FM on Tuesdays at 5pm in the new year for more That's the Ticket. Mm. See, that was nice and then I made it about me. Yeah. But uh, that's just some of the cool uh, creative things happening about the place. Yeah, Christmas is a very creative event. I get quite creative at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool, yeah. And I think the Hamilton Arts Festival, because it got cancelled last year, unfortunately. Yes. Um, because of COVID. So, fingers crossed, um, you know, 
it can go ahead next yeah. year. It's been a long time, long time coming, and there's some really cool stuff mm. um, happening. I'm looking forward to uh, catching the Shakespeare because it's really a Hamilton Arts Festival without the summer Shakespeare. Yeah, well, I was meant to debut in my <laughs> first ever summer Shakespeare this year, but it got canned, cancelled. Yeah. Oh well, you'll just have to watch this one instead. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but they're doing the time of the Shrew, which is quite cool. I've mm. never seen that on stage. No, I don't think I've read the play. Yeah. yeah. yeah obviously, we've both seen um, Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Uh, but they've got, yeah, there's oodles of stuff. There's some quite cool dance shows coming up. Um, there's a lot of comedy. Some concerts, got like musical gigs as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hamilton Operatic Society are doing oh, yeah. a show. It's called Cut, Cut? I believe. Yeah. And it's songs that were cut from like famous musicals, That's which I feel like is, yeah, it is very interesting. Mm. And it's definitely kind of shedding um, light or sound on things that aren't normally heard. Mm. Uh, but, Missy. Hannah. <laughs> uh, before... Um, we kind of end today's episode. I just wanted to say thank you for joining me on That's the Ticket today. Thanks, Han. It was nice of you to ask me. I know. I to feel have like me. we should do this more often, eh? Oh, I don't know. But um, <laughs> to end the show, we're going to end the year and the show with something very important to to the both of us. Yeah. It's uh, Rick's pick time, everyone. Um, yeah. Missy, would you like to do the honours? I'll see if I can remember it verbatim from what you say okay. every week. So those of you who aren't familiar with Rick's pick, so I have an Uncle Rick. Mood. And when, <laughs> when Hannah told Uncle Rick that she was going to be hosting a radio show, um, he said, you know, he's a great listener of music, loves, knows a lot of music. He gave Hannah a list, and every week she can play Rick's Picks. So she picks a song from the list every week, and we play it. We. You play it. Well, this week it is we, because Missy actually picked this track. It's, yeah. It's um, Imagine by John Lennon. Yeah, it's a classic. It's a classic. But, uh, yeah, th- we're going to play this for you, Uncle Rick, and... Um, Meta kitty here, meta everyone. Have a safe and happy holiday, and I'll catch you next year.
more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.